You're listening to the Golf Science Lab, where we take a look at teaching and coaching through the lens of research. Hey, I'm your host, Cordy Walker, and welcome back. Before we get into this episode with Lynn and Pia of Vision 54, quick word from this episode's sponsor. There are so many things to understand in golf, every part of the body, clubs, ball flight, etc. And one aspect that I've found most interesting the more time I've spent learning is the ground. If you're looking for a very practical explanation of what's going on between the ground and the golfer, I have a recommendation for you. It's from Body Track, who create mats that measure pressure and force. And it's their certification with Dr. Sasha McKenzie and Mark Blackburn, where they explain everything from concepts to helping you make changes in golfers. Any move the golfer makes is going to be reflected in that data that's coming from the map because that's how the golfer's going to interact with the ground. And the other one, as Mark touched on, was yeah, that any small changes of pressure in the ground can have meaningful change and actionable change on how you deliver the golf club. I've gone through this entire program and recommend that you do the same as well. Uh, it's really well put together and easy to go through. You can learn more about it and sign up at golfsciencelab.com slash body track or click on the image in the article along with this episode. That's golfsciencelab.com slash B-O-D-I-T-R-A-K. Welcome back. We are on episode three of our Be a Player series. And I wanted to talk about a story that uh, I read in the book and that was really interesting. Uh, a lot of people probably heard of Carol Dweck, heard of uh, the mindsets that she talks about, growth mindset, fixed mindset. And you guys had some, some really good stories there about learning from her and then applying that to golf. So yeah, why don't, let's just get to it and share, you know, some of that story of, of your experiences with, with Carol and kind of what you learned. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, obviously we had read, read her book and been really inspired. And what's been fun with the Be A Player book is that we can include some of these influencers of ours because we have many of them. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, just meeting her and hearing her talk about the book because we, we had a feeling, you know, we were onto and have been onto all of that, but her, her language around it really helped us. Like, what does it mean to be, have a fixed mindset and what does it mean to have a growth mindset? And, you know, many golfers are, are really stuck with that. Yeah. And, and we were fortunate enough that, uh, the Stanford coaches had invited us in to do some training with their teams. And we said, we'd love to come if we could also have a lunch with Carol Dweck. <laughs> so they said, sure. And they said, you know, I honestly, we've never like sat down and, had lunch or asked her questions and we said, okay, you set that up and we'll come. <laughs> so that was, um, extremely fun. And, um, yeah, it was a wonderful time. So we wanted to share a few things around that because, you know, she, her, her course at Stanford is, it fills up immediately by fresh, uh, you know, it's a freshman course and it fills up immediately. And one of the things that she said, she said, I want the Stanford kids to know, that they're not here to get grades. He's, they're they're here to learn, and they need to know that coming in their freshman yeah. year. Because even in school, there they can get so stuck on the grades that they forget to maximize the learning. And the same thing we feel in golf. So many get so obsessed with their score and outcome that they don't do the learning, or they're not focusing enough on the process and having 
things go well and having things not go well is equally beneficial <laughs> for the future growth. <laughs> right. So it's just getting the mindset that, you know, having a bad hole, having a bad round is not always necessarily bad. It could be the most important thing to really learn something important for the future. So, you know, she just, when we, we, we see it so often with young, young players that are very, very successful early that sometimes their development stops because many of them just try to protect being good instead of keep growing and keep learning. Yeah, and she she specifically spoke to two two Stanford students, Tiger Woods and Michelle Wee, that she had she's written about, and she said, you know, I think early on they both had a growth mindset, but as they got more successful, she said for sure they have slipped into a fixed mindset. And we said, oh, we thought that was fascinating. And she said, you know, they aren't really models right now of a growth mindset. And then she also said that one of the things that will shift a person from growth to fixed is success, is that all of a sudden you have all this success and you go into, as Pia just said, this protection mode. And you see people do that. You see juniors do that. You see PGA and LPGA players do that. And you see amateurs do that. It's like, Oh, now I was club champion last year, so now I need to be club champion this year. <laughs> or, you know, well, whatever it is, they, they just slip back into a fixed mindset protecting who they are. And then we think that's pretty interesting. Could you give us the rundown of like these concepts of growth and, and fixed mindset? What, what do those mean to you, you know, when you think about those, those two different things? Yeah, I mean, fixed mindset for me, just a couple of simple things is, I mean, first of all, that you more think like you, you either like have talent or you don't like saying like, well, you're, you're not athletic. You can't learn to play golf, whatever that you, you, we, we think it's like, it's fixed <laughs> the assets we have. We can't like grow and learn and, and things like that. So one is that. And, and then another thing too, is this, that my identity is so based on my ranking or my identity. Is so based on my status as a player, scoring wise, but I'm like, I'm, I'm stuck in that and trying to pre protect that. So that's a couple of fixed things that really stand out for me. Yeah. And I, I would say then, you know, with the growth mindset is that you, you look at, at every round or most rounds or most tournaments as an opportunity, an opportunity to learn and discover and explore, you know, and not, not, you're still very vested in an outcome. But you go into it not knowing what's going to happen and knowing that there's going to be a point where you have to give up control of outcome and really stay with the process. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, and it's also knowing that all of us can develop and learn and can get better no matter who we are. It's not pre-decided. It's like there's so much untapped potential possibilities in all of us. So, so, you know, for us, what we really take to golf and we made a big difference for the golfers we we support is to learn to focus on things under their control to be more likely to have a good score or to be more likely to win a match so really help them before they go out you know what is most important today is it to really commit to the decision or is it to feel feel the core through their swing or you know they need to dial in on a couple of things under their control because otherwise the outcome kind of takes over. 
And, and you know, in, in another thing we mentioned it early on in the book that we found so important that still many golfers today, they have a belief that they're supposed to be consistent. And if they're not consistent and strike the ball or, or how they hit the putts the same as they did yesterday, they immediately think there's something wrong. So they have a fixed mindset about how the swing and stroke should feel. And if it isn't the same and isn't good, there's something wrong. So we just know it's a myth because the only thing that is true is that there's a variability. <laughs> and and to get the golfers to be more curious about like with variability, how is it today? Who am I today? Am I, you know, stiffer or am I, my, does my body feel really good or am I worried about stuff that we need to check in and understand that there's nothing consistent about any human being or any golfer. But if I can honor the variability, I can learn to manage myself. So obviously outcomes can become more consistent. But but we find this to go to a growth mindset, we need to really honor the variability and learn to to know some days we're off. We're off in our bodies, we're off maybe emotionally, we're off with feel and just like knowing is pretty normal and it's about managing that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'd say pre-Carol Dweck for us was George Leonard and his book Mastery Curve. And we, we never got the opportunity to meet George Leonard, but we we have spent a considerable amount of time with, with Michael Murphy, who was, was his good friend. And, you know, the Mastery Curve was, was one of the things that helped us so much with understanding what now Carol Dweck would call a growth mindset is that a player is going to have dips in their performance and outcomes are going to have plateaus. But during those dips and plateaus, there's still a tremendous amount of learning and growth that's going on. And you never know when it's going to now turn upward towards, you know, lower scores, better performance. But that, you know, you stay on that mastery curve. And it was really his little book, Mastery, that kind of outlined. We, we would give that out at all of our coach trainings and we would, and we've always recommended it you know, to players to read, but it's that staying on the journey, no matter what. Yeah. 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 Pia, I think you said earlier, um, you know, process versus outcome when we were just started talking about this. And, it, and I like that phrasing. I think that's pretty easy to grasp, you know, as most of us go out there and base our emotions and everything on the outcomes, right? Yes. We don't base it on the process or what's under our control. And I think that's a great you know, a, a great way to approach it because we, we all do focus so much on, on the outcomes. Yeah, and, and, you know, we just want to find a more efficient way to more often get good outcomes because <laughs> and, and, many people think, oh, so you don't care about the outcome. No, the truth is we really, really care about the outcome, but the best way of achieving it is to focus on things under your control. Yeah, and I, I'd just like <laughs> to add that, I think a lot of people don't understand this either, that there's a tremendous amount of grit and discipline that's required to stay with the process, mm -hmm. you know, because we get teased by the outcome, good outcomes, bad outcomes, um, but that there's a real grit to staying with the process. So it's not like you just go out there and kind of, ah, oh, you know, who cares about outcomes? No, there's like a very disciplined effort to stay with it. And and what we found is so super important that you can't just say, oh, I'm going to go out and focus on the process, that you, <laughs> it will work for maybe half a whole. You need, every player needs to do that day specifically what it is that is most important. So, so it becomes something tangible and something I can actually 
check up on if I do it or don't do it. You know, if it is the certain field you're in the swing or if it is, uh, you know, check up on the tempo ever so often or grip pressure or whatever. There are no specifically things that are doable out there and that helps me that day. Yeah. You know, it was it was probably 15 years ago that we developed our first process scorecard. We call it a plane focus scorecard. But it was, again, a way for us to to help players stay accountable yep. to whatever that process was that they were going to commit to on the golf course. Yeah, yeah, and actually that that scorecard been very successful. And we we actually when the book is out with June six, we'll have uh, there'll be a free um, PDF download of that playing focus scorecard for anyone to access. Yeah, perfect. We'll make sure to link that up then. So maybe some examples, like what would a growth mindset like player look like? Versus a, a fixed mindset player. Any any kind of examples or pictures we can paint there? Yeah, but before we answer that, I just wanted to say another thing that Carol Dweck shared with us is that you can have a growth mindset in some areas and a fixed mindset in others. Mm-hmm. And you see this in players like they might have a, you know, for example, a growth mindset about their putting, but they have a real fixed mindset about, you know, the driver and getting off the tee. So... I think that's very interesting, too, so that you kind of examine your game. What areas do I tend towards more of a fixed mindset or more towards a growth mindset? Well, I mean, some of the things we typically can hear with the ones to the fixed mindset, they might just say, like, you know what, I'm just I'm just a loser. I just can never play under pressure. I just, like, I just fall apart. It's just who I am. <laughs> that's what they might say. <laughs> Or on tour, we hear, you know, well, you know, actually, we got a text last evening, you know, I've missed so many cuts this year, like, and, you know, that they they fall into that identity instead of, okay, what did you learn from all these missed cuts? And let's clean out the learning and discovery from these missed cuts. Yeah, and decide on, you know, a couple of pieces of actions here. So it means the growth mindset, maybe not playing well, but they said, like, you know, okay, I got it. It's not good. Let's review again now, like, what are things that are good, actually, in my game? Everything is not bad. What is good? And what what is a couple of areas where I can take action and actually, through my bad play now, actually, I've learned something. I have some gaps in my game, and I want to take a hold of them because I know I can learn this. It's just a totally different mindset about how you go about good rounds and bad rounds. Yeah. And actually, as an amateur golfer more of a newer golfer that we helped last week and and uh he was only evaluating his play versus you know based on outcomes and his scores and then gave him a few things to focus on that were under his control actually it was around balance and tempo and tension and he went out and played nine holes the other evening and his scores weren't better but he actually said you know i i had something to focus on that i was learning and i was making like a lot of progress with it, even though my scores and outcomes don't show it yet. Yeah, he, so he shots were much better, much so. better. And um, again, it's just being able to stay in that process of focusing on things under control and being very specific what those things are. And what would be the difference between you know some people might just say, "Oh, growth mindset sounds like they're just hopelessly optimistic," <laughs> <laughs> and they're just 
they're just in the clouds, right? Like you suck, but I'm learning, right? So it's, it must be fine. Because <laughs> you know, honestly, honestly, I think it's more fixed mindset that are hopelessly optimistic. They think, oh, I'm just good. They scared. Everything is good. Everything is fine. Like th- that's not growth mindset. It's like to have the courage to look at, you know, what what you're good at. It, it, at obviously but you need to actually face and be okay with that you still have things to learn so i would mm-hmm. say the ones that are hopelessly optimistic or or fixed mindsets players too <laughs> yeah. you know because you, you need to you know the worst thing that can happen is that not still finding areas where i can keep growing and learning and get better at things yeah i, I it's so interesting because i i giggle on that because i don't see it at all as hopelessly optimistic i see that you know really a growth mindset takes as i said earlier a lot of grit and discipline mm-hmm. you know it almost dovetails into angela duckworth you know work but it's you know you you've got to decide hey i want to learn this stuff and it's like you know it's not going to be easy it's <laughs> actually going to be quite challenging <laughs> but like there's a there's a excitement and a almost a compulsion like you you're compelled to do this because um yeah you want to learn you want to you want to grow totally totally no and and a lot of these things obviously um not only applicable to golf but but also to life and that's why i think this is a good discussion to have is because like you said we all have areas where we get into a fixed mindset and and we don't have this growth mindset where we're you know constantly looking to to learn and and grow from the mistakes we made. So I, I love the application of, of these, these premises. Yeah. I, I would say Cordy too, you know, with, with Carol Dweck, I know she's recently come out and said that many have misinterpreted her work as just that, that kind of that optimistic, you know, Pollyanna, <laughs> uh, you know, Oh, let's just be happy with however bad we're doing. <laughs> and she doesn't like that at all. She said, there's a, you know, there's a real, as I said, real discipline to it. So, All right, let's get into our question for this week. The question is, how do we help players find a balance between trying too hard and losing attention? Yeah, it's it's a really, really, really good question. And we, we, we see it a lot and we hear it a lot. But, you know, one of the things we feel with that is like many try too hard to force outcomes. <laughs> If you... Focus on the things under your control that might be a swing feel, it might be how you clearly make your decision, how your body language is between shots or any of these things. You can't try too hard on things under your control. <laughs> so it's so often it has to do with they either can try too hard forcing outcomes or they cannot give up and don't do anything. And often it is that they're just paying attention to the wrong things while playing. I think that's one of the most common things we we experience with that. And the the second part with that we say is like it's actually when you are in peak performance state like it is a sense of letting go, you know? And many of us have haven't trained that enough like I need to actually let go and not try to control my swing. And uh, and that's just takes practice too to 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 feel the difference. But with any of these things, Lynn and I've always had the experience that we want them to explore what does trying too hard mean and what is not trying at all mean. So you get to do both. You can learn to dial in yeah. what is good for you, and, and not just I mean, of course, what they mean, but also like how do you actually experience trying too hard? Yeah. Like what happens to yeah. your body? 
and your focus and all these different things. So you, you, again, you're just kind of checking that out. And then there's that place where you're letting go, but you're not letting go to just oof, nothing, no. you know, and then what does that feel like in the body and, and what is, how is that focus different? And um, yeah. yeah. So we, we think it's really important to, with anything, to learn to like ex- explore that. That's like many of our exercises goes out to try the extremes both ways so you can dial into the middle for yourself. Yeah. I, I think a story that's kind of interesting is when, you know, Russell Knox, who we coach, shot 59, and he had to make this putt to shoot a 59. It was like 10, seven, seven, foot, seven foot or whatever, but he totally said i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna miss this putt (laughs) you know like he you know he wasn't gonna three putt for 60 it was his point and he had this like extreme like uh focus to make that putt and then we've talked about some of his best putting rounds that when he tries to dial into that too much he doesn't putt well at all he needs to have what he calls sometimes more of an oblique look at the putt and he's got to let go more and just feel the distance and feel the speed more. So it's always that, that fine line of going back and forth of, you know, am I dialed in? Am I engaged? But am I, is my body responsive and relaxed enough to pull it off? And so there's just that. It's not like you can go, I got it. You know, you're always going back and forth on that edge, you know, where you're, you're mentally engaged and there's some, some sense of that the body's, um, responsive. I, you know, I think this is hard and, and we'll just, uh, we'll dive into some therapy for myself here. Um, <laughs> if you don't mind, yeah. but you know, I always find myself like the first, uh, maybe three, you know, two, three holes or something like that. When, you know, maybe there's a bit of pressure of you, you know, you're just playing with someone for the first time or there's this element of like, Oh, I better like not look like an idiot. I always find myself playing decently, like, yeah. a, you know, hitting, hitting things well. And then I start to get comfortable and then, you know, things just go downhill. It's like, you know, this element of like, oh, I, I'm good now. You know, I can just relax and, and play golf. And then that's when things um, <laughs> don't go well. Right. right. So like it, it is that like you're saying, like you're saying, there's that that balance of trying hard. And, and I don't know what to do. And in, in, in my position, any any ideas? I'll just use this as, as some coaching here. You know, obviously, that's when we like to be out observing and see what's happened. But we know there must be something that either changes in your body or in your mind or in, or in your emotions. They can't be anywhere else. So you just need to check, like, does anything, do you get more tight in your body? Do you get more relaxed? Does your, you know, adrenaline change? Like, you mentally, what are you paying attention to? We know there's something that changes there. So that is like the golden nugget to be aware of that. Because when you mm. do become aware of that, you can take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be... Su- My first place I would want to explore with you, Cordy, is like there's possibly a change in the depth of the play box sensation that when you start the round, like like you said, for all the outside reasons, external reasons you want to play well, but you're just you're more there in your play box, you know, for those four to nine seconds, however long your play box is. But then as the round progresses and you kind of just get, you know, more comfortable and things and blah, blah, blah. But the, you know, you're there, but you're not there as deeply. And it's just, you know, we just find this with the elite, really elite players, uh, Aria Jutanagar, and we talk about this with her all the time that, you know, she can be there, but then she can really be there. (laughs) And, you know, these are just words to describe it, but she, she knows the difference. Yeah. 
where one is just, hey, I'm really there and it's a really deep sensory experience. You know, so there, there's a, you know, you, you need to be intentional about that before stepping into the play box. And, and again, having a, a commitment to yeah. that. So it sounds like after a few holes, you need to switch a little bit to yeah. beef up your your intention like that. Yeah, that would be where I'd first first uh, do some exploration coaching with you. I, I love that, you know, just gaining, gaining some awareness, just observing maybe a little bit is a great first step, but it's easy to forget about that <laughs> and just say like, fix me, what do I do? And then why not just take a look? That makes a lot of sense. I know. Yeah, and I would say one more thing is that I think most people go external first, meaning they go to the situation. Oh, I was, meaning like you go, oh, I was really focused at the beginning because I was playing with so-and-so. And then, you know, later on, I was comfortable with them. So they're, they're only evaluating external conditions, but you need to actually evaluate the internal awareness and uh, the interior of what's yeah. going on when, when the external conditions change. So to give us some practical takeaways here, something we can do on the golf course to take a look at growth mindset and some of what we talked about, do you all have any explorations for us this week? There are many things to do on course that deals with the growth mindset, but the, the one we, would be really good to start with here since we talked so much about outcome focus versus process focus, to, to play six or nine holes that after every swing or after every putt, you can only evaluate the process can keep your mouth shut and don't say a word about the outcome. So it means I might see that my ball is heading to a bunker to the right of the green, but I, my afterwards, I can only, if I make a comment, it can only be about the process. So it could be like, okay, I didn't quite trust my decision or my, my tempo was actually what I wanted it to be anything but can you just say one thing about the process for each shot for six or nine holes that would be just a good training session to to get good at putting attention to the process <laughs> because many from tour golfers to beginner golfers the only thing we hear out of their mouths after a shot is something about the outcome so that's why this is good practice awesome what a, what a great exploration and then we'll link up that the playing focus scorecard, is that another yeah. good exploration to do? Oh, yeah, yeah, very good, because to evaluate the process is a lot easier if I decided beforehand what processes I'm going to focus on. <laughs> so that's why having a playing focus, that the way you feel today and depending on the kind of round and, and conditions of, of you know the weather and how you feel, what, what is it you're going to really score yourself on that's under your control? Thank you so much for joining us on this episode with Lynn Marriott and Pia Nielsen. Make sure to go pick up their book, Be a Player. It's a really, really good book. I've been enjoying going through it. A lot of their explorations of these different ideas are just invaluable. So pick that up, Be a Player. It's on Amazon. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and join us next week on the episode. This podcast was produced by Just Hit Publish Productions. Music includes Drop of Water in the Ocean by Broke for Free, Attribution 3.0 Imported, and Something Elated by Broke for Free, Attribution 3.0 United States. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you all next week.